Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I love having our next guest on. He joins us once in a while. Like to have him on like once a season. Former NFL quarterback. Former Washington State standout. Ryan Leaf. Broadcaster. Husband. Father. Just had a baby 14 days ago. I remember that. My wife and I, we were in a Starbucks. And we saw a couple holding a newborn baby. And she looked over at me and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that exhaustion. Ryan Leaf joining us now. How are you, man? How's the baby? Ryan, how are you? Ryan's not there. See, I gave him a great setup, and then he's not there. I was all dialed in. Maybe he's changing a diaper. I don't know. We'll grab him back on here in just a second. Steven, do you remember that exhaustion? Exhilaration slash exhaustion of having a brand new baby. Yeah, I think for me it was more just exhaustion at all times. Like the exhilaration wore off real quick, and I'm like, man, this is real. I got a real life person that I have to yep. take care of. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a different change in my life. It's game time when you've got a young child, and Ryan Leaf is back now. How are you, man? How, how's the baby? I, you know, I had to run and change a diaper, so you know how it gets. You know, it, <laughs> I had to. Uh, no, man, it's it's been great. Uh, she is a she's a little marvel. She is, uh, we really struggled, uh, to have the second one and, you know, the, you know, someone blessed us and, and we made it, uh, full term and my wife and, and, uh, her are just rock stars. And now MacGyver's got a, got a little sister to be a big brother too. So he's pretty excited that. about that. I love that. Congrats, man. Uh, I appreciate you joining us and, um, and, uh, w- do we have a name? Uh, Claiborne. But uh, yeah, what did you what did you what did you nickname her, buddy? Bo. Yeah, he he called her Bo. So that's, <laughs> that's gonna. So we you know we thought it was probably apropos this year with little Bo Nix. Let's go with yeah. little Bo Leaf. I love yeah. that. A little uh, little Bo Leaf. I love that. Ryan Leaf with us. Um, we want to talk some football, but you know I wanted to talk about what you're doing with uh, broadcasting and speaking. You've been everywhere uh, seemingly. Um, you know, are you having fun? Are you having fun doing what you're doing in this segment, this season of your life? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm incredibly blessed, John. I mean, you know, literally 10 years ago today, um, you know, I was sitting in a prison cell. So, uh, to have the life that I have, this, this life that, uh, just continues to give me just, I mean, unbelievable, um, things you know it's not lost on me that if i do the next right thing you know real positive things happen for me uh the show's going great uh you know i'm really getting uh to start i've really got to start to call a lot of nfl games mm-hmm. um you know, called new england and pittsburgh last week i got the ravens and jags this weekend and then i think christmas day i got the chiefs and raiders and a couple playoff games next uh but i you know it's just i couldn't ask for anything more i get to talk ball uh, we moved back east. You know, we live in Connecticut, New York now. My studio's in New York. I uh, became a contributor to Good Morning Football, which I do uh, once a week now. And I mean, it's—I don't—I just 
I, I thought the life of my dreams was, uh, you know, playing football, but it turns out it was just kind of being a dad, uh, you know, helping people and, and, and talking ball. And that's, uh, that's seemingly enough for me. And it makes me very, very grateful and, and blessed to do it. I love it. And I think you have a lot of life perspective, obviously, and you've walked the walk. And I love especially, too, that you kind of you kind of meet that head on and you talk so openly like you bring up the fact that where you were 10 years ago and, you know, how you feel different now. And and I think that that being candid in that way is helpful to people. And, you know, I probably wasn't always easy to talk about it, though, was it? Well, of course not. It's, you know, you're, well, what it is is you're not you're not comfortable in your own skin, right? So you you don't like the guy you see in the mirror, and so therefore you're you're hesitant and uh, you're ashamed. I think, and I think what ultimately changed for me is that I like the guy I see in the mirror, um, and I'm okay with who that guy is, you know, flaws and all, and so um, that's that's a big big reason why I'm okay with it and. And why I talk about it. And then, to your point, it is all about somebody who's listening to your show right now uh, who may be struggling or may be fearful that, uh, you know, he won't be able to get a job because he's a convicted felon or, um, or you know, people may judge him and look at him differently or her differently because, um, you know, they were a drug addict uh, or deal with mental health issues. And and you, you have to know that, that that's not the case. Like, you are not... One moment, you are not one thing. You are the sum of all life's parts. Uh, and it's not about what you've done. You've, you made amends for it, and you've tried to become better and tried to make it about other people. Like, you can rewrite your story in a positive way that will make it really, really um, special for you. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest reason why. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't care. I mean, everybody knows my story. It's not like it's news to anybody else right at this point. Yeah, and I think, too, like, I just think it's funny on social media when somebody comes at you, you're just like, so what? And, you know, you just kind of turn the, <laughs> turn the mirror back at him, and it just shuts him down. Like, because I think they expect you to get defensive about it, and you're not. You're just like, hey, we're all, none of us is perfect, Ryan. Like, you know, and you, you just kind of shine the mirror back at him. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hope. Because people did it to, for me, you know. There was a guy in prison, my roommate, who who really showed me the mirror um, and uh, and I had to I had to address it and so you know when when you do when you when you show somebody maybe how they're behaving um, they either uh, see it and address it or they don't see it because it makes them feel uncomfortable and they continue on with with the behavior that they uh, they are exhibiting so I, I get it you offer them a chance you, you know you can't control what you can't control you know you you try to help, and then you move on. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think people just assume, because I guess most people in the human human condition is to be defensive and is to be like, hey, this, that, and the other. I'm I'm okay with the fact that I only played four years in the NFL. Uh, I wish it would have been more. Um, but I tell you what, growing up in Montana, I wasn't supposed to play one snap in the NFL. So I had to really kind of develop a different perspective around what, success is and I also think there is a bit of I don't want to I don't want to say it's jealousy I want to say it's maybe uh, I don't know what it is I, I think they just they're angry that um, you know I get to have this life almost 
because of how I almost burnt it to the ground, I think, mm. and that's that's bothersome. Ryan Leaf with us. Help us with the Kansas City Chiefs controversy with uh, receiver not lining up. You know, you've played enough football to know that, you know, that receiver, that's his job to be on sides, isn't it? It is. That, that's day one stuff. It, it, it is. You, you practice it. Um, you know, a lot of times you step up to the line. Uh, you, you're usually, you know, uh, look down the line of scrimmage and see the linesman and ask him if you're okay, you know. And, and you know, you've built a relationship with the, with the official during the game, and then the official gives you a nod yes or a nod no or a shake of his head no, and you back up a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's just about – awareness knowing what the situation is what's going on how you go about it um you know if things aren't corrected early in the game if you've been doing it all game you figure that that's being considered on the line of scrimmage and which was the case you know Kadarius Tony lined up in the exact same spot you know three or four times when he was on the line of scrimmage in the game and no flag was ever thrown until you know within two minutes so I think that's why everybody's a little bit up in arms about it. Usually, the official early in the game will say, "Hey, get get uh, get 19 back, a couple steps, you know." But nothing nothing was said, and then that's why I think people feel like it's so bothersome. And it's the Chiefs, and you know they've seemingly got all the calls and everything like that. But yeah, you have to understand the moment. You also have to understand what your position is, and to make sure you're lined up appropriately. What I think has pissed everybody off so much is that it, it's a rule that doesn't need to exist for wide receivers. Like it doesn't – it's not a confusion tactic to make somebody believe uh, a receiver is eligible and not eligible. Mm. Uh, a DB out there covering him isn't going to be affected by him being, you know, on the official line of scrimmage that's on the television, uh, you know, with the graphics on the line there. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a penalty that had zero effect on the play – or should of the game, but because of the rule is a rule is a rule, you have to follow it, just like anything in golf that you may find arbitrary or any other rules that exist that way. They are the rules of football. If they wouldn't have called it, and it was as blatant as people have pointed out, wouldn't we be talking about uh, how, once again, the officials blew it and <laughs> Buffalo lost that game when the guy was offside? So you really have to take a good hard look on it. I think this was an accumulation of everything that was kind of piling up on the Chiefs uh, the last couple of weeks. And when you lose four or six, right, That's and you're the defending world champs, that's going to have something um, to make you frustrated about. Yeah, let's talk about that because you got the Eagles struggling a little bit with a couple losses in a row, albeit to really good teams. Chiefs look vulnerable. What's happening with Kansas City? What's happening with Philadelphia? Uh, you know, like Kansas City – we thought would be a bit of a struggle with the skill position, and it has been. Travis Kelsey hasn't been the, the, the dynamic player that he's always been um, this year. But also, I, I really do think if you look at the losses outside of the you know down, outside of the Denver Broncos game, that you you have a play here or there that it could have gone their way. I mean, the, the drop pass in Week One to Detroit. Of course, the MSB drop versus Philly, uh, the no call on a uh, on MSB at, at Lambeau Field where he was hanging on his back, and then last week with a just a you know this penalty that cost them the game. Like 
you could look at all of those games and go, if it would have happened one way or the other for this Kansas City Chiefs team, they could easily be in a position, you know, where they're uh, where they're twelve and one, you know, mentality. They, 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 there's a real good chance that that could be the case, and that's usually fallen their way in years past. This year, they haven't been as lucky. They still are right there. They're still right in a position. You watched Baltimore uh, almost get beat uh, by the Rams this weekend, and, you, and then you did watch the Dolphins go out and get beat uh, by the Titans, who have been awful on the road this year. So, you know, with those types of losses, it allows you to, to have one of those games, and, you know, the Chiefs are still right there. Uh, the Broncos are within one game, though, and – you know, that's the biggest thing here. Can they continue their dominance of divisional champions and get to host a playoff game? If not, if they're coming as a wild card for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' uh, career and they have to go on the road in the playoffs, you know, what does that look like? He doesn't know what that feels like at all. Philadelphia has the game against San Francisco, which may have just been an ambush, and they come back, they lose to the Cowboys. Is there any panic there with the Eagles, or what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think there should be. I mean, the fact that they can't, uh, their best skill position players turn it over three times in the game against the Cowboys. And then on the defensive side of the football, the week before against the 49ers, I mean, they could not tackle anything in space. And when you're going to go up against the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, because right now they're trending towards being the fifth seed. And if they're the fifth seed, they have to go, of course, first to an NFC South. Uh, champions home, which I, I don't think will be a problem for them. But then they're most likely going to have to go to Dallas again or out to San Francisco for the divisional round. And I, I don't really give them a chance in those games. And if that's the case, you know, they put themselves in a really tough spot. They could have found a way to win one of these two games they lost over the weekend, last two weekends, they would still be in first place. And with the back end of the schedule pretty, you know, pretty manageable outside of maybe traveling to Seattle this weekend, um, they had a good chance of having home field advantage. If they have home field advantage in the playoffs, that, that's a different football team than it is one that has to go on the road all the way across the, the country to San Francisco or even back down to Dallas, as we saw on Sunday night. Ryan Leaf with us, former NFL quarterback and analyst and man of the world. Uh, Brock Purdy, <laughs> give me an idea. You know, he comes up in the MVP conversation. You got some people saying, you know, he doesn't deserve credit. Look at the weapons around him. But we did see the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we saw him without Brock Purdy in the playoffs. How much credit do you give Brock Purdy for what's happening in San Francisco? I, all of it. All of it. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. The, the contributions from the, uh, in his supporting cast is uh, exceptional. But you go back and look at the championship teams of, of old. You look back at the Pittsburgh Steelers teams. The defense was amazing. And then Terry Bradshaw had Franco Harris, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Lynn Swan, Pro Football Hall of Famer, John Stallworth, okay, Rocky Blyer running the ball too. I mean, this every time you have a championship team, the quarterback is in a position to have amazing skill position. You just got to look at the 49ers in the in years past. John Taylor, Jerry Rice, you know, you Brett Jones, and then you got um, Joe Montana, Steve Young. Are you kidding me? I mean, they're there. The quarterback makes them better. Yes, they're great players. Don't get me wrong, but don't punish the guy that's the one who's facilitating everything. He right now is my MVP of the league, and there's no way somebody's going to get me to step off that if he continues to do what he's doing 
uh, over the next, you know, four or five weeks of the season. He's going to be the NFL MVP, and he deserves it. You've played that position. You've been in the league. How difficult, maybe you can help listeners understand, how difficult is it to maintain that level of consistency or to keep a team in a groove like the Niners are in right now? It's incredibly difficult. And that's just not, you know, being said because it was incredibly difficult for me. Uh, that's why I'm, such, I'm in such awe of the guys that have been successful in the league, right? Um, you know, when I spend time with Peyton and we, you know, we're just, we just want, you know, he just wants to talk about life and family and our kids and stuff like that. And I'm just peppering him with questions about, you know, how he, how he was, how he got it done, you know, how, how he could do that. And I think he's pretty, pretty sick and tired of me asking these questions, but it is, it, it's, it's what makes it so, so special to watch and be an analyst now, because I know how difficult it is. And to see Brock Purdy, especially with, you know, everything thrown at him saying, Hey, you're not good enough. You are Mr. Irrelevant. We're going to give you a shot. And Brian Greasy kind of knows what that feels like. And he was very adamant about it with John Lynch and Kyle Shannon and saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's go get this guy. You know, it was in a, it was kind of a throwaway pick at the end of the draft. We had Garoppolo and Trey Lance where you moved heaven and earth to go to three with. And, and Brian knew what he had there. And, and I, I do think he did a heck of a job last year managing uh, all those quarterbacks in that room and then to come out uh, to be so good. Uh, to make them special. So, that, yeah, it's I just all the listeners out there, it's the most difficult position to play in all of professional sports. Uh, it, it simply is. You have to know everything that's going on. You have to be the one in control. And when you don't have a lot of time in this league, when you have very, very smart defensive coordinators that are trying to fool you and do things differently uh, to make things more difficult for you, it's extremely hard. And when things go wrong and when the microscope gets uh, dialed up for you to be able to deal with it off the field, to hear it in your ear all year long, like you're not the reason anybody could do this. Uh, you know, doesn't matter who's out there at quarterback. Um, it would be the same result. And it, it certainly wouldn't. And Brock blocks it all out. Um, you know, I, I give him a ton of credit for his time at Iowa state, all the snaps he had and in the leadership role he took over while he was there. And this, you know, this, is a guy I'm going to ask you next about a guy that you know he's he's in that uniform that you wore once upon a time Justin Herbert's with the Chargers and you know he's had injuries he's had change of head coach he's had change of coordinators been questions about his supporting cast and at some point we all know what's going to happen the fingers are starting to point at Justin Herbert what does he need Ryan to be successful with the Chargers oh you know it's 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 tough to watch um, simply because I know how talented he is and how how well he's played in this league. You know, I really you know I I, I hate like throwing guys under the bus in terms of, of coaches, yeah. but I mean the liability for this team has been Brandon Staley. It simply has the the decision making. I mean Justin Herbert and the offensive guys are never going to say don't go for it on fourth down, but they cannot um, convert. They cannot convert on fourth down. I would love to see the stat. Uh, on fourth down under the Brandon Staley area uh, era, what their conversion rate, it's got to be nothing. I mean, the offense has done nothing for the confidence that Brandon Staley has shown them. But at some point, Brandon Staley's got to go, hey, you know, this is insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result, uh, ultimately, you know, is going to get you fired. And 
I, I don't know if he makes it to the end of the season, to be honest, but I, I don't know what that benefits necessarily, Justin being out now the rest of the year. But I do think that uh, uh, that the, the Los Angeles Chargers, who just signed him to a huge extension, extension is not going to let the prime of his career slide by um, and, and find a, a great football coach. And unfortunately, it's kind of been a, a merry-go-round there uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers ever ever since back to when, you know, Kevin Gilbride was my coach. Marty Schottenheimer went 14-2 and two one year and got fired. So, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. Um, and I hope it doesn't go to waste. I hope he gets a real chance to win a championship because he's talented enough to do it. Brian Leaf with us. Uh, brand new dad uh, two weeks ago, baby girl. He's got his son with him. Ryan, b- uh, before I cut you loose, uh, I, I got to ask you about Washington State. I think you've been closely following the saga of the Pac-2. Uh, what would it mean to you and other Cougar fans and former players to to see Washington State find a path out of this? Well, of course, we'd love we'd love to to see some sort of path out of this. But I also know this, and and this is this is the god honest truth. I don't care where they play, who they play, when they play. I'm going to watch. I'm going to celebrate. Now, the unfortunate thing with it, if they don't have a path, which means they don't have the money that will back them up to allow them to keep all the other sports afloat, because that's the biggest and most important thing in all of this that all the sports stay together because every athletic program at Washington State is special in its own right. Not just football, not just men's basketball. The women's basketball team is awesome. Jen Greeny, who played at Washington State, uh, he's the head volleyball coach there, along with Shannon Wyckoff, who was there as well when I was playing. They are great. That team is unbelievable. Um, and so they need to be able to keep all these 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 great sports at Washington State afloat. That's my biggest fear in all this, is that the football team is going to continue, regardless of what the level looks like. And, and we all know where college football is going. College football is going to a, you know, National Collegiate Football League with two huge conferences, uh, 18 to 20 teams or so. And the teams that can't make the financial burden are going to be left out, and they'll be, you know, essentially what the FCS is right now uh, at, at, the, at a new level. And that's probably coming in about two years. So, I mean – if they can stay afloat for these two years, and if the uh, you've done such great uh, investigative uh, reporting a, a about uh, the lawsuit, um, how it's going about, if they can stay afloat by getting that, not allowing the 10 other teams uh, that are departing uh, to dip into the, the, the future pool, like, hey, we're going to leave and we're going to take some of the money with us to help us move uh, mentality. If they are able to do that, I really do think they can get on for the next two years because of the money that they have in their coffers and maybe be able to pull something like an independent, um, maybe Apple, maybe they go back to Apple and say, Hey, you see how, how big the fan base is for us. We can sell the subscriptions and, and we can, we can sell the subscriptions. It's not like they won't be able to sell them because Cougar fans all over the country are going to watch the Cougs period. That's just how it's going to go. So that's where I would like to see it go. Um, I have no idea where it's going to go. I just know that you have a good guy in charge and Pat Sean. I do think President Schultz just, for, for, whatever, for what it's worth, I think he took the eye off the ball because he was trying to keep everything together because he was at the top. Yeah. Right? He was at the top trying yeah. to keep everything together. I don't think he uh, was thinking outside that box. When he was looking at the other teams in the league, he was going, come on, 
let's get everybody back to the table. Let's make this thing work instead of doing what was probably right for the university, and that was to go find a suitor uh, from the start and, and really have that in place in case he couldn't keep everything together. And that may be the only thing I could fault him on, but I understand there was an optimism to him trying to, and an idealist trying to keep things together. So I'm never going to, you know, you know, bash on the guy for trying to do something to keep a, a conference that's been around forever uh, as one. Ryan Leaf, you're the best. Congrats on, on the new baby. Take care of that uh, son of yours, and we will, we'll check in with you down the road. Hi. Hello. You going to take care of Bo? Uh-huh. Good I'm brother. A <laughs> Good brother. I love it. <laughs> First radio yeah, appearance but... or no, Ryan? Or what are we talking about? What's that? Is it his first radio appearance? No, he. You know, we did. Uh, he came to Radio Row with me at the Super Bowl last year, and he was a he was a hit. People were. Uh, yeah, he I had it. it. He picked. He he picked the Chiefs. I picked the Eagles. Who won, buddy? Chiefs won. Yeah, yeah he won. So there you go. All right. Tell him uh, pick the Niners this year. I think it's their year. All right. All right. All right. Take care, man. Thank you for Thanks, joining John. us. All, All right. right. There great. he goes, Ryan Leaf. Uh, such good perspective. Um, you know, I have more intel on what Oregon State and Washington State are plotting to do with their television deal. Plus, Anna's going to join us. Tom Wistersill, Big Sky Conference Commissioner, will join us as well in the 5 o'clock hour. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.